Well, hello, sexy readers. It's been a minute, and some of you may have thought the erotic reading room was no more. But it's still here, and after more than a year's absence, I'm dusting both it and my writing career off as I emerge from the hellscape of my massive pandemic slump to reenter the worlds of erotic romance and podcasting. I hope that my listeners made it through the last year or so unscathed, although realistically, I'm sure that some of you suffered deep personal losses due to COVID-19. And let me take a moment to say that if you have, I am deeply sorry. It is an awful illness. Please, please get vaccinated if you haven't done so already. Now, if the pandemic and subsequent lockdown had any plus side, it's that it gave us a lot of time to catch up on our reading. Many of you discover new authors, and it seems some of you became new authors. COVID saw a lot of people change or start new careers, and writing has been among them. So, I decided that the Erotic Reading Room would start back by taking a look at the business of erotic romance publishing, which is a very timely topic given that a recent New York Times article, which you'll find linked in the show notes, detailed the predatory practices of what used to be a respected mainstay publisher in our genre. There's a lot more to authoring than writing, and so on this episode, I sat down with Maren Smith and Rayanna Jamison of Red Hot Romance Publishing to talk about the business side of writing, and what they have to say is of value to both new and experienced authors alike. So, if you're a writer, or you've ever thought of becoming a writer, or you're just curious about what it's like to be a writer, stay tuned for an episode that's both entertaining and informative. I'm joined today by USA Today best-selling author Maren Smith, who is the owner of Red Hot Romance Publishing, and her right-hand assistant, USA Today best-selling author Rihanna Jamison. Hello, ladies. Um, welcome. It has been a rough year or so. We have gone through a shutdown and a pandemic that does not seem to want to end. So, how have uh, the two of you weathered everything? Have you continued to write, or did you slack off like I did? Uh, my production for myself was not as good as it usually is. It went way down. The only time that I really wrote well during the pandemic was the few times that I ventured outside the home and went to Ray's house and we wrote in her hot tub. Sounds like the ideal place to write. Do you guys live close to each other? No, about six hours away. So today we're going to be talking about publishing. I want to talk a little bit about your company, Red Hot Romance Publishing. Let's talk a little bit about your writing first. For those unfamiliar with your books, can you tell us a little about your writing? Um, I usually write... I write a little bit of everything. I I don't like to write the same genre very much too many times in a row. I tend to need variety, but I I mostly do daddy dom. I do um, contemporary romance. I like writing fun and funny books. I also like to do some of the, some of the serious stuff. So I really kind of bounce all the way back and forth between that. A little sci-fi once in a while, but mostly contemporary and daddy dom books. About you, Rayana. Basically the same. I also, I only write contemporary. I can't, I don't want to do historical or anything. It's just a lot of research and I'm afraid of getting something wrong. And I definitely stay in the daddy dom 
genre, subgenre, or whatever. And I really enjoy writing cowboys and stuff like that. It's my favorite. Well, cowboys are very sexy, and they never go out yeah. of style. Exactly. Yeah. Samara, and what prompted you to take the leap from writing to publishing? I had a bad experience with a previous publishing house. Every now and then I'd get someone from the outside asking me, hey, would you like to publish my book? And I'm like, no, I just do it for myself and my family. But after this thing happened with, um, after I had that bad experience with the publishing house, I realized that there were a lot of authors out there and we've had our share of shady publishing houses. And I wanted to offer the people that I write with, people who I've talked with for years and been friends with on Facebook for years, uh, a safe and honest publishing house that they could go to. Okay, for those who have not been keeping tabs on the erotic romance publishing industry, the publishing house in question is Blushing Books, which was recently the subject of a scathing New York Times expose in which Marin and I and a number of other authors were quoted about our experiences working with that company. And it is more than just a tragic look at how writers can be taken advantage of by unscrupulous publishers. It is also an object lesson for both new writers and existing writers that being good with words is not enough to be a successful writer. You also need to be business savvy and be able to advocate for yourself. Marn, would you say that's an accurate statement? Yes, I do. Uh, if you're serious, even if you're not serious, even if this is just a hobby, if you want to protect your rights, if you want to protect your work and not lose it, you need to be able to be a jack of all trades. You need to read your contracts and know what you're looking at. You need to know which publishing house to go with. You need to research what other authors are saying about them. You need to research what your payout is going to be, what your percentage of your royalties um, what are they going to do for your book? Are they going to market it for you? Are they going to promo it for you? What do you need to do for yourself? Even when you have a publisher, you still need to do certain things for yourself. For instance, BookBub's your biggest friend in the world. You need to grow a BookBub readership because BookBub will promote every new release you have for free and send it out to everyone who is on your BookBub's list. So there are things that you need to know how to do, whether you're or going with a publishing house, but with a publishing house, you still need to be active in in defending yourself and defending your intellectual copyright. And would you say, too, that sometimes authors, when they get accepted by a publisher, I think it's less so now than it used to be, because I think authors now realize the power they have to either go indie or go with a publisher. But sometimes, depending on the publisher, especially an unscrupulous publisher, is going to act like you can't make it without them or that they are somehow doing you a huge favor by taking you on, when the reality is it's a symbiotic relationship, isn't it? Yes, it is very much. And I do think that when a newer author or first-time author, or even if you've got 50 books under your belt, when you're accepted by a publishing house, the first thing that you are is excited. You're thrilled. Somebody thinks your work is so good, they're going to help you get it seen by more readers. But it's still a partnership. But it is. It's absolutely 100% a partnership because there's things, even when you go a traditional publishing route, you still have the responsibility and you have had the responsibility since 1995 when I first started 
of representing yourself and putting your book out there. Right. That part really hasn't changed. And I can say as someone who has been traditionally published and indie published, that I ended up putting my backlist with you recently and writing with you because I, having done both, having done the indie route and the traditional publishing route, realized the value of having so much of that heavy lifting done for me like the the editing the cover i don't have to worry so much about i'm still involved in the process obviously but it takes a lot of the weight off my mind to know that i have competent people doing a good job to get my book produced and out so that i can put my energy into writing for me it makes financial sense to put that time that i would have otherwise put into doing all those other things into cranking out more books and right. it, that's the difference, isn't it, between traditional publishing and indie publishing. You really have to do it all as an indie publisher. And that's fine because some people want to go that route. And with indie publishing, you do not have to share any of that profit. But if you want the services that a traditional publisher provides, then it's more than just getting the book out. There, Can you talk a little bit about the knowledge that a, an experienced publisher in the genre? And one of the reasons I like Red Hot Romance Publishing and one of the reasons I like Stormy Night is that publishers who know the genre are going to do a good job with your book. But what makes a company like yours stand out? Ideally, I think what what makes a good publishing house, or at least in my opinion, maybe speaking as an author more than I am as a publisher, seeing as that's a very new side of what I'm doing, what I think a publishing house should be there for is to make sure that your book is as good as it can possibly be before it hits the shelves. Your Your book depends on three things, not just how well you write it, but how well you edit it, how well you package it, and how well you market it. So your publishing house needs to do what you can't. It needs to know what the best cover for that genre and subgenre is and what's going to sell that book. It needs to know the current market of editing changes and choices. It needs to know how to market people, where to go to find your readers, um, how to get your book out. There was reviews from the very start, getting your arc list. Yes. Put together and arc readers gathered. Um, Amazon categories too. Sometimes they add Amazon categories. Yes. Yeah, your keywords that are going to do it. What's selling right now? Right, right. And that changes every month. So you got to keep on top of it every month. I know that when I did my first reverse harem romance, it was a the covers were a single woman on the cover, and then that shifted yeah. to multiple people on the cover. Yes, and. It seems like people just realize that sold better. So if you published a reverse harem with a, a, a single female character on the cover, it didn't do as well as the books that were now coming with different covers. That's right. Which is something that either you have to know by researching the market or if you have a savvy publisher and you come to them with a single female and say, I want this. They say, well, wait a minute. That's not going to sell. And that's what you're, that is what you are giving them a portion yes. of royalties for. And don't you think really that at the end of the day, it really does kind of equalize itself out because if you have a good publisher and they sell more books by marketing it correctly, you are going to make more than you are if you do it wrong on your own and tank. Yes. It's never too late 
to fix a book that tanks, but you have to know you have to know how to fix it. And I think if you go looking for a publishing house, the biggest thing you could do for yourself is to find a publishing house that'll build you up and believe in you. Not one that thinks of themselves as the end all be all to your success. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, there is. There really is. And you need a lot of people that are good enough friends with you that they will tell you what they honestly think, as opposed to friends who don't want to hurt your feelings. And you need to be the kind of author that can be open and mature enough to take that criticism because that's what's going to make your book the best that it can be. When I was editing for Blushing, I dealt with a number of authors that did not like to be told anything. And, and, you know, and when you hand your baby over and someone says, hey, this isn't perfect, it's like someone is, you know, you feel, you produce that book. You, you Some people take it personally, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I always tried not to take, they're taking it personally, personally. <laughs> And good writers sometimes who have a measure of success, difficult for them to be edited because they bristle if someone says, hey, you know, this could be better. I try really hard not to bristle and I've been in the business since 95, but I know what you're talking about because we've seen a, we've seen a little of this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, we've done it, too. I've seen I'm sure I've done it. I've seen you do it. I had you help me through it when I was doing it. <laughs> Everybody does it. This is why I love working with a company that is staffed by experienced writers. Run by authors, yeah, definitely. You know what it feels like, so you're a little more mindful of that, you know, that experience, and, and you're able to remind the other writer that you're editing or that you're marketing for that this isn't personal, this too is business. And speaking of business, we are going to take a short break here to talk about our sponsor, Elwood's. And the incredible array of author services they offer for indie or traditionally published writers. Erotic romance is such a popular genre. And as an author, I can tell you that we writers are always busy. Many of us put out several books a year. And some of us even put out a book a month to meet the demand of you sexy readers. But writing a book is just the first step of the publishing process. There's formatting and cover art and getting ARCs out for review. And then there's the publicity. Ugh. All this takes time we could spend working on our next project, which is why savvy authors are turning to L. Woods PR for professional production and marketing designed to get our books seen. L. Woods offers everything from full-time publicity packages to an a la carte service for authors who may need just a little help, like graphics or an online book launch party. Now, I've participated in their newsletter swap for over a year, and it's definitely improved my sales. But it's not just authors who love Elle Woods. Readers do too. The Elle Woods PR Romance Room on Facebook has regular takeovers and giveaways because who doesn't love prizes, right? And their romance novel newsletter will bring the latest releases right to your inbox. There's even a whole page of free books on their website. So check it out at ellwoodspr.com. That's E-L-L-E-W-O-O-D-S-P-R.com. And if you sign up for a service and enter the code EROTIC5, you'll get 5% off your first order. Now, Rihanna, we were talking the other day about what it takes to be a successful writer and how some authors who go with a traditional publisher may have unrealistic expectations of what that publisher does. Because while you can write a book and put it with the publisher who edits it, does the cover art, puts it up on Amazon, and promotes it, that publisher can't do it all, can they? No, there no. absolutely. There are so many things that um, we are 
unable to do. And then there are other things that it's not really our job to do. So like, for example, um, I was talking to an author yesterday just about going into author central and like creating, like putting in the editorial reviews and, and creating a nice looking landing page for your book. I am actually unable to do that. I can't do that for you. You have to do it for yourself through your own author central. And what a lot of people don't understand is that Amazon is not really a bookstore. It's a search engine. So the way to increase your visibility on Amazon is to be active on social media because the more people who are getting to know you, who are searching your name on Amazon, the more you're going to pop up in that all-important algorithm. So it really is important to get your name out there, to interact, to network on social media and use all these platforms. And what are some other ways that writers can increase their sales and visibility? I know that you are a big fan of newsletter swaps, right? Every time an author does a newsletter swap, I can usually tell. that. And there's so many free and great ways to promote your book that hinge on having those relationships within the community, really. I'm only one person. We can't do all of those things for you. Like, we can't set up your newsletter swaps and do those things. But the relationships that you build, you know, in the community give you a boost. And as you build those relationships with other writers, you build them with readers too, right? Yeah. Maren and I started writing around the same time in the mid-90s. And I found that readers will follow you if they like your work. They'll follow you if you change publishers. They'll follow you if you change pen names. And their loyalty won't change even if the genre does. And erotic romance really has changed over the years, hasn't it? We've gone from mainly historical or contemporary books with male-dominant, female-submissive tropes where the woman is always young and thin and the man is always handsome and muscular to a genre that has matured to embrace characters with realistic body images and flaws and people of different sexualities. It's growing more inclusive. Uh, the Dirty Daddies Anthologies is a perfect example. You guys put out one every year. It's a huge hit. But this year, Red Hot Romance Publishing put out a special Pride edition. Can you talk about that? We did. That was sort of a passion project, and it went phenomenally. We definitely want to do it again. It was great, and, and we had about 14 authors, I think, for our first run that did it. There was a lot of representation, because even though the title is Dirty Daddies Pride, we let a lot of things fall under that umbrella. So like, for instance, there were some lesbian daddy stories in it. When did you come up with the idea for this? Um, it was right after we did our first big USA Today selling um, Dirty Daddy's anthology. Uh, we've always been about inclusivity in that group. And so I wanted to include some MM Daddy stories in the anthology. So we had about four of them, which isn't huge percentage or whatever. But we also didn't really know that community and that genre very well. So, so it was a good start. And there were just some interesting comments that I saw in the MM community about the anthology. I saw that them say that there were usually a lot of these opportunities for MM writers. And I was like, well, I'm going to make one. <laughs> So how was the anthology received by readers who are used to more, for lack of a better word, traditional male-female pairings? It was received very well. And the thing about a lot of like my readers and your readers, and, and this is something I've kind of talked to some of the MM authors about too, is that MF readers actually tend to be more fluid. They will pick up an MM story if it's 
you know, if it speaks to them, if it draws them in or whatever. And so we had definitely had the MM audience, but we also had a good portion of the MF audience as well. And regardless of the pairings, the daddy-dom genre in general has remained very strong, hasn't it? Um, I was talking to Marin the other day, and she mentioned that the readership for daddy-dom books had actually gone up during the pandemic. Do you think it's because everything was so uncertain and we were so worried that we really were looking for a dominant character that made us feel really safe? And isn't that what daddy does? Yes, you hit the nail on the head with that right there. Because all of a sudden, everybody found themselves doing everything. They were doing the kids. They were doing the schooling. Change can be overwhelming to a lot of people. So the idea, I think, of having a daddy dom just sweep into your life and take over those things that stress you out so much and just do them for you in, in a caring, loving, supportive way is and quickly became everybody's fantasy i totally relate to that like 10 years ago being thrown up against a wall and just like that was my fantasy and now i'm like put me down for a nap (laughs) (laughs) that's my kink projects on the horizon what do we got coming up ladies oh my gosh okay so first thing up is a christmas anthology that will be uh looked for about the beginning of december um and it's just going to be a cowboy daddy dom little country christmas stories there's going to be four of them in the little group just a little anthology with four of us and and we're just going to let the cowboys play with the christmas and we also have come well coming up before that we have our daddy dom weekend which is which is when we're going to launch your new book, Ava. And then we have a couple other daddy books during that same couple days that I'm really excited about. And we're going to, we have a giveaway that we're going to have. We're going to have a couple parties. It's going to be a, kind of a big deal to, um, yeah, just promote some of the, some of the books. We have a couple different ones and they're all over the, all over the daddy spectrum. Yes. And we will be hosting a red hot romance giveaway as well on our page so uh, right when everything kicks off so people can look for that and then um as far as other projects we you know have our dirty daddies anthologies that we do every year and and we have um the stateside doms yeah i'm doing virginia for that one yeah, yeah we've oh. got we don't have one for every state yet but there's a lot of people talking about i want to do another so what, what's the most requested state well probably I think Texas was pretty requested. Texas was requested. So was Georgia. No, one of those states over there. What? Georgia? They had a fight, they had a fight over uh, a couple of states. But we said yeah. first come, first serve. And it was Louisiana. Yeah. Wow. Everybody wanted to do Louisiana, New Orleans. Alaska would be fun. I think we yeah. have, we have someone doing Alaska. I think we have somebody doing Alaska. I think Alaska would be fun. You see those western states she snatched up too because of all those all those hard body cowboys out there. Yeah. <laughs> but Connecticut and Delaware, they're sad. Nobody is like Delaware Daddy. <laughs> Maybe actually Allie is like Delaware Daddy. What? It's yes. Oh okay. Oh, uh, Allie. Nobody's Allie. taken the Dakotas yet. <laughs> uh, the redhead stepchildren of the of the erotic romance community. Or Dakota. <laughs> Well, you know, I, by the way, I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to Allie, uh, Miss Delaware. Um, she is your uh, cover artist, one of your graphics artists, correct? 
Yes. Yes. Cover for my for my finally daddy, and I was very happy with it. And I was I was totally high maintenance on that one. So and she came through. Um, and she has a graphics company, and I will link to her graphic uh, service as well as Red Hot Romance and the Dirty Danny anthologies and all the fun stuff in the show notes. So all the things that we talked about here, like the Pride anthology, you can just go to the show notes and you can uh, click on the links and hopefully buy. You better buy them. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Oh, so yes, please. I always, I always ask at the end of the podcast, my guests to tell me a thing or two that um, people that know you may not know about you. So we'll start with Maren. Uh, people may not know that I come from a family of authors. Um, both of my grandfathers wrote books. Both of my parents wrote books and were published. Uh, my grandparents were published too. Two of my sisters and myself, we write and have been published. In the house that I currently live with now, everybody except my husband is an author. Yeah, he kind of rattles around in a very silent home with nothing but the clattering of multiple keyboards. Rihanna, what do people not know about Rihanna Jameson? Um, so before becoming an erotic author, I lived in Oregon. Um, and my family owned an oyster company, which I owned a small, tiny percentage of. Um, so I was an oyster farmer for many years, and I worked... There from the time I was 14 till the time I was about 32, I think. Well, I live on a farm, but I have sheep. And I'm trying to imagine oyster farming has to be a bit different. A lot different. <laughs> do you have like designated areas like bays that you grow them in? Or and I would say lagoons. Yes, do you have to lease beds, um, oyster beds from from the state, at least in Oregon. And we had like, we had a big plant down at the bottom of our property where we had these huge tanks where we would purge. Our oysters were very clean too. Like they'd go through this purging process where it purge like any mud and sand and grow stuff out of them. Um, just in these big saltwater tanks. Um, Did they not develop pearls because you purged them so often? Um, some of them have, but like, it's a different, it's all different kinds of oysters and like certain oysters are more inclined to grow pearls and we were growing oysters to eat, not for mm -hmm. pearls, but we did, I did have some, yeah, I've gotten. Now, are you an oyster snob? I a hundred percent, um, and <laughs> I'm an oyster snob because the bay that we had our beds in was one of the cleanest bays and, um. Like I said, like, we were really well known. We shipped hundreds of thousands of oysters every week to all over the United States and even Hong Kong. And they say the oysters are an aphrodisiac, and now you're an erotic romance author. Is there a link? <laughs> I don't think there's a link, but... <laughs> it wasn't until I moved away from that that I was able to take the time to say, okay, I've always wanted to be a writer. And the opportunity just opened up when I. Well, you had all those aphrodisiacs build up in your system, and you had to do something with them. So right. <laughs> now, look at you now. And look at me now. And we have a we have a lowly bivalve to thank. Yeah, my mom's probably <laughs> like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> what did I do?" <laughs> it's it's been fun. <laughs> so, I am um. I'm thrilled to be with Red Hot uh, Romance Publishing, and I am excited that we have a new publisher in town. You guys joined the ranks of, uh, well, <laughs> there's not many ranks anymore, is there? <laughs> there's, there's still a few out there, you know. Uh, well, there's, there's SNP, 
Decadent Ink. Decadent Ink is run by author Kate Richards. I've heard the name. I do not know her personally. Yeah. Um, and of course, Stormy. Um, I've written for them too years ago when I left Blushing, and they're they're fantastic. They're good too. Good solid company. So it's you know it's nice. It's nice to have a number of companies for people to choose from. There's enough writers out there for everyone, and there's enough opportunities. Which way you want to go. And even if you are traditionally published or indie published, there's a, a huge well of support. This is a great community. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. It absolutely is one of the best. It is. It's fantastic. And I missed it while I was away. And I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be talking to you. And thank you for coming on the Erotic Reading Room. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Erotic Reading Room. It is good to be back, both writing and podcasting. And I look forward to bringing you more episodes in the future. Be sure to check the show notes for both the Dirty Daddy's Pride Anthology, the link to the New York Times article on Blushing Book, and any other links that we mentioned in this podcast. Stay sexy, readers. See you next time.